0: The Around the NFL podcast uses beard products.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a commissioner suite filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I tell no tales. Tall tales. We are still... (laughs) Keeping up our unbeatable, Farvian streak of being the last humans out of a stadium after a major NFL 10-pole event. We are still at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at 1 a.m. after the Panthers and Bucks went at it ages ago. And we're recording this from Commissioner Roger Goodell's suite high above the field. In fact, mm. I hold in my hand, boys, a bottle of Ruggiero Prosecco, Doc. And we will be opening this at the conclusion of today's episode. And Roger, you could bill us.
3: Right. I I guess my one suggestion for our commissioner would be, you know, don't lock the fridges. You know, all (laughs) the drinks that we can find around here. And I'm just talking water and soda are warm, so the cold beverages are locked. They thought to do that, but the warm ones we can steal.
4: The great thing is, is for a commissioner who we we (laughs) certainly respect a lot, who's never heard of our show, likely, will now... That's not true. Well, it'll be thrown on his desk that at this point, you know, the biggest impact we've had on him is stealing a 200-bottle uh, champagne. I've, I've never Peppers. seen a
3: sha- our shadowy league figure that's in the room look more uncomfortable than right now. He's <laughs> taking a, a furious notes. <laughs> just delete,
5: delete, himself. delete. Just have John Runyon send us a FedEx envelope like we're Vontaze Perfect. <laughs> and
2: isn't it, isn't it, Mark, uh, fitting that in the commissioner's special suite, right in the center of the room, there is a gla- encased in glass Lombardi trophy. And even in this setting, Greg is closer to the Lombardi than you and I.
4: Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 as far as the east is from the west, is how far away I am from it at this point. You you seem a little bit closer today. You got you got well, the today, old bounce in your step.
2: The old Zeuser got a W. All right, a lot to get to, and yes, it was a really fun special day uh, here in London as we end our uh, hopefully annual trip uh, to England, jolly old England. Um, and we had such a great time on the field here at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We did uh, we did multiple rounds of work with Sky Sports and our good buddy Neil Reynolds and company, and they, as always, were Super inviting, and uh, that was great. We we did a lot of media, Greg. This was a this is one of the busiest days ever for the podcast.
3: We learned uh, how difficult uh, sideline reporting is with like massive videos oh playing in your ears as uh, Hannah Wilkes from Sky Sports was trying to ask us questions, and we're just guessing what to say.
4: Yeah, she's a total total <laughs> pro, and I mean, we were learning on the fly. But to me, it was like I've always wondered what it would be like to be reporting live from uh, Beirut under fire and it was like that's how it would sound audibly I think It was very loud uh disturbing
2: we were also on the jumbotron for the first time in front of Ooh, like yeah. 30,000 people doing a 15 minute uh mini pregame show that was pretty surreal one of the more surreal moments
3: uh, of our careers.
2: people
4: I would loved say. it I thought Greg they took was a lot from that
5: Greg was feeling himself he got the uh, <laughs> panthers oh, to yeah. give a nice shout
3: well I've always it was a career goal here. It, <laughs> Ever since I was a little boy, I've always dreamed of saying, "Are any Panthers fans in here?" And uh, they responded. You got it wasn't them riled bad. up.
2: And then the producer of the hit, as soon as it ended, he was a, a gentleman from around here. Was like, "You never ever do that. You never." <laughs> it do worked. That. It was good. I liked it. He, it worked. The, you really—it was a high-wire act. Typical of Greg, who is just his whole career has been one high-wire act of um, excitement. That's the way I look at it. (laughs) Makes me feel alive. We got a lot of games to get to. So, yes, we were at this game. uh, So why don't we, as we spin through all of the games uh, on Sunday of week six, why don't we start with a game that we attended. Yes, here in London. Hit it, Ricky.
0: Panthers going on silent count on first down. Allen looks middle, no receivers open. McCaffrey is, though, left flat McCaffrey to the 20, to the 10, spins away. Touchdown, Carolina McCaffrey left side. He made three or four Buccaneers look like they've never practiced.
2: Panthers radio network with the call. Christian McCaffrey scored two touchdowns, and Carolina turned five interceptions. Five interceptions by Jameis Winston into 17 points. That's four straight wins now for the Panthers after a 37 to 26 win over the Bucks, and it wasn't even really that close uh, because Carolina from from the jump was the superior team. The very first play from scrimmage was a Jameis Winston interception, interception which was obviously a sign of things to come. Winston under constant duress. The right side of Tampa's offensive line uh, was missing with an injury, with injuries, and you could see it. Um, we had, you know, uh, we were lucky enough to be down on the field for large portions of this game, uh, and also in the press box, which had a good sight line, you know, line of sight, amazing stadium. Uh, this is such a great place and you could see it almost see it on Winston's face. The, uh, he was shook as the kids say, he was never comfortable in the pocket and that led to turnover after turnover, after turnover. And Carolina didn't uh, light it up offensively themselves. I believe they finished under 300 yards of total offense or were certainly in that neighborhood. Uh, But they didn't need to because uh, they kept on getting good field position. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was held at about a a yard and a half a carry but still scored two touchdowns, including uh, that 25-yard play where he broke about seven uh, pairs of ankles in the Tampa secondary. So the Panthers get the job done against a a, – a Tampa Bay team that seemed jet lagged, quite frankly, Uh, four wins in a row, four and two now for the
5: Panthers. I believe in one of our myriad prediction exercises, according to some of our listeners, (laughs) I predicted a five interception game for Jameis Winston. I didn't see. (laughs) We previewed
2: this game like 47 times this uh, week, so it's hard to remember which.
5: I didn't see this much of a meltdown, and I don't know how much of it is on the offensive line, but back-to-back sacks uh, in the red zone, one a lost fumble, and then the five interceptions, it was – It was, you know, you're waiting for Jameis Winston to show tangible signs of improvement. And for the first two or three weeks of the season, you could say, hey, they're moving the ball. They're scoring points. It's the offense that's carrying this team. And now it's just – it's the same old Jameis Winston where it's one step forward, two steps back. You just can't trust him not Opposites
2: to – Opposites check and you know.
5: You can't <laughs> trust him not to get rattled and for that offense to have rhythm for an entire game. It just doesn't happen.
3: Really like that uh, Paula Abdul cameo by Paula Abdul, and Interlude. I think MC Scat Cat. Or oh, you nailed like it! That. Well
2: done, well done.
3: Uh, I feel like we've been building. To this moment on the Around the NFL podcast, since the moment Jameis Winston was drafted number one in 2014, it had to end here. Like, our journey of me defending Jameis Winston Mm -hmm. had to end in person in London after... Wait, you're going to stop defending him? I, I mean, what's there left to do? I mean, five interceptions, seven sacks, two fumbles, it... There's no more. There's nothing left to defend, and the, and we'll get to Marcus Mariota later. But it's a big day. He, he was benched for the first time in his career while he's healthy. And this debate we've had forever is the most pointless debate <laughs> ever. Winston, even before this game was started, was in his own head. He it's, was just holding the ball just like he did in New Orleans, and I think he was beaten by the coordinator Ron Rivera uh, in, in Carolina and everything that was going on even before they started the game. It
2: was the ultimate. At the end of the day, much ado about nothing with these two guys. And maybe maybe the last chapter hasn't been written with these guys, but that will be the storyline that comes out of uh, this Sunday, that and we're going to get to Mariota. But Winston, I don't know if he gets benched uh, going into next week. Bruce Arians, Greg, I, I think you might have heard or read that he seemed very annoyed after this game, as I imagine he would be. Uh, but the window now, you can imagine, Mark, is closing very quickly on Winston to be able to make any type of impression on the new coaching staff well
4: it, it, the, the whole messaging was that Bruce Arians it wasn't that he was going to make Jameis Winston into a yardage monster because he already was that he was those things to begin with was today awesome, too? 400 right, yards 400 <laughs> yards a lot of it coming at, at, at you know late in the game when it didn't really matter I mean it, to me Arians has to look at this quarterback he's been around a lot of them and say if I can't get this guy to play safer football protect us and not put us in this position this is an un Manageable mission from a quarterback guru's perspective. I will say this too: they played a defense in the Carolina Panthers that is becoming an absolute chaos spinning unit, and one that this, you know, these NFC South teams all were locked. They don't feel locked to me right now. The Panthers with this defense, and we've seen this with Ron Rivera before. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback. It doesn't matter that Christian McCaffrey was held to about 57 yards today the defense made all the difference. Now, you're not going to play Jameis Winston every week, and you're not going to get the, some of the throws he, he gave them, but they're doing this. They're disrupting the, the pocket week after week. But you know
3: who had a ton of injuries on the O-line, too? Carolina. Yeah. Who had a ton of injuries on defense? Carolina. They, they're they getting to their bye at 4-2. Kyle Allen made a couple nice throws today he has not thrown an interception yet in his career i know he's had the fumble problems that was not a problem today he, i would say both of winston and allen their best throws of the day were dropped it, it was a sloppy game here in the in the bucks especially who arrived on friday afternoon I tell you, I mean, I don't know. We're not experts on jet lag or anything, yes, but that doesn't feel like everyone here thinks that's just not enough time. It seems crazy well, was to arrive two days on, into our trip. We're to, still up
2: till 4 a.m. Every right. just it's hard to it's hard to sleep. Like, that was my my two takeaways um, from a, a player perspective. Nice revenge game by Gerald McCoy, two Very and a half nice. sacks. He was probably the best player against today. Tampa. He was all over the place, living mm-hmm. in the backfield. And yes, on the day. That Kyle Allen has a, a nice day, not a lights out day, but a nice day in a resounding victory for the Panthers. Our own Ian Rappaport puts out a report this morning that Cam Newton uh, might not immediately get a starting job back just when 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 he gets healthy, which might not be uh, for a while. We're still figuring out how long he's going to be out. Uh, but that we had heard whispers of that earlier this week, and then the report comes out that Kyle Allen, as long as they keep winning, you're not going to see Cam just Mm. waltz back onto the field. So that's a big subplot. Any final thoughts from this game? I'll
4: say one thing about the crowd here, because if this game were happening in Tampa, the, the stadium would have cleared out early third quarter when the wheels were completely spinning off the vehicle and it's special here people don't leave and that's a unique thing I understand why if you're a season ticket holder in Tampa you're very frustrated but I think for the bucks who this was a home game for them not in theory but in practice and they felt that that support today even when they were not giving any reason for that the crowd was going crazy yeah. when
3: they were scoring a touchdown down 37-20 when they were picking up first downs down Thirty-seven to twenty-six. I was
4: really impressed Wait, by the crowd in general. It was a
2: home game in practice, but not <laughs> in theory.
4: I think right? It, Is in, it the other you, way around? Both, but in practice, I don't find home games to be in London necessarily. They had a, they game. had
3: a better crowd than I expect. I figured it was going to be heavy, Carolina. It wasn't. I would say it was a little it's pretty weighted, heavy, Carolina. Very neutral Campbell. at best. Final thought, Wes.
5: Well, I've got two of them. First yeah. of all, you can't bench James Winston. Ryan Griffin, the backup. Doesn't have an NFL arm. There's no point. They're two and four. You're gonna play this out. And Bruce Arians specifically cited Jameis Winston as a franchise quarterback for the reason he came back to the to the NFL as the Buccaneers coach. The second thing, Dan, we've noticed um, in London, there's a bit more of a wild west atmosphere as far as things that people can get away with we noticed thursday night at one of our shows they were handing out beers to the audience which you would not see <laughs> no. in america at our nfl event never yeah. needed an
2: excuse to drink in england
5: in the press box today toward the end of a game michael pilardi the punter for the panthers unleashed one and the press box announcers announced this way and this one is not Fumbled by Bobo Newsom, the returner. (laughs) Bobo, (laughs) (laughs) Bobo You would never hear that in American Stadium.
2: No, you wouldn't. All right. Let us move on uh, to, to me, the best game of the day in Kansas City.
0: Fourth and three at the Chiefs 27-yard line. Deshaun puts the leg down. Here's the snap. Watson throwing. And he hits Hopkins for a first down. The game is over. The Texans can kill the clock in Kansas City. What a gutsy call, fourth down, Watson to Hopkins, to X. drill the knife in the heart of the Chiefs.
2: Mm, Mark Vandermeer. with oh, there's that terrible new music, Ricky. We are going to address this together once like we get it. back to the states.
6: Pumps me up.
2: No, we got to find another alternative. If 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 we're going to be robbed of our rightful music by the shadowy league figures. We need to find something better. How about some
4: Orinoco flow?
2: Mark Vandermeer, Texans Radio Network, with the call. Deshaun Watson. Well, you could bring it back up while I'm doing the read.
7: Well, you don't like it.
2: Deshaun Watson threw for 280 yards and a touchdown. He ran for two scores, and Patrick Mahomes could not keep up. The Texans, a 31-24 win over the Chiefs in Kansas City. Wes, the Texans could have had... The Texans could have won this game going away had they executed executed better. But even an imperfect performance, they won an arrowhead and, again, announced we are a legit AFC contender.
5: Yeah, it looked like Will Fuller dropped a couple of potential touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins had an uncharacteristic drop in the red zone. Deshaun Watson threw a, an end zone interception on fourth and one. This could they, Kicker issues. They could have scored over 45 points in this game, and, and this is how dominant it was. It was the highest time of possession by an opponent in a non-overtime game at Arrowhead Stadium ever. Whoa. They kicked them up and down the field. Chiefs defense could not get off the field. They ran for over 190 yards on 40 carries. This was a – just. it seemed like the Mm. better team won. And this is going back a few weeks now. The Colts were the better team against the Chiefs last week. The (laughs) week before that, I thought the Lions were the better team against the Chiefs. This this is a team that's not helping his quarterback – on a day when Tyreek Hill comes back and has a couple of, at least one spectacular play and another touchdown.
3: This was an arena league type of game where a stop kind of counted double. You know, you said they could add 45, but a lot of those dropped plays, they end up scoring anyways. They they didn't punt. The Texans did not punt. The only Unbelievable. The only way they were stopped were a mistake. Uh, Carlos Hyde fumbled on the first play of the game. There was an interception. Um on a, on a late throw from Watson, which was a, an incredible one-handed catch by Travarius Ward. But other than that, they did whatever they want. It was downhill. The stat that is just wild to me, once the Texans took the ball uh, late in the first quarter, they had 72 offensive plays to 28 for the Kansas City Chiefs.
4: That is playing downhill. That is domination. But this was also a banged-up Patrick Mahomes uh, that's been weeks in a row at this point. Playing not, behind
5: a banged-up offensive line. Right.
4: He's not physically right. And on the flip side, you get Deshaun Watson. When you get these games, when he's not not throwing around zero sacks, and you have Carlos Hyde. I don't know what sort of body double switch occurred with Carlos <laughs> Hyde at some point here, but they, Bill O'Brien, he went after him, and a lot of people critiqued that move, and for good reason, because Carlos Hyde has just not been a thing for a while, floating from team to team. 26 carries, 116 yards. They favor him over Duke Johnson. There's no question about that. And today, you know, he did. He he was a grinder for them. They you couldn't get them off the field.
2: We have enough evidence now to to say that O'Brien he had the Midas touch in that month heading into the season because in uh, Laramie Tunsell, they got the left tackle they desperately needed, and for the second straight week. Watson was uh, protected incredibly well. And when you protect Deshaun Watson well, he's as good as any player in the entire football, uh, National Football League. So it's that type of thing. And in the running back tandem, that was a major issue with this team. Uh, They were going to lean on Lamar Miller, who even though I used to be a fan of Lamar Miller, he never was a guy that scared anybody. And now they have this two-headed attack. Uh, It's
5: amazing. Just five years ago, your team at the end of August was your team for the year. That's how the NFL worked. Right. And now, you know, you got Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson who aren't even there for training camp, and it's a whole new backfield. Your left tackle's new. It's just a different NFL. Now. Duke they had Johnson's, 180
3: yards
2: combined in, two, yeah. in That was in Cleveland's backfield a year ago. Crazy. Duke Johnson had a receiving touchdown. It was really an athletic play to get himself into the end zone. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. And Mahone's injury, which he, the ankle injury suffered on Sunday night football, it's been a rough um, seven days for this team. Uh, He got it rolled up on again in this game, and
3: you could tell that he's not the same guy right now. Well, he took two massive hits in the first half where you're just not used to seeing him hit that hard. That said, they didn't punt either until the fourth quarter. They didn't have the ball in the second half, and they went three and out twice in the fourth quarter, and that basically was the ball game. The key sequence was again, his protection breaking down late in the first half, and your boy, it was about 30 seconds left, and they're trying to get a quick three points. Well, what's your boy's name? You know who I'm talking about. The Texans pass. Right Amen- now. Charles Amenahue? Amenahue comes <laughs> yeah, in. Rookie fifth he rookie the He gets the strip sack, and the Texans pick up a quick fumble, and that was a 10-point <laughs> swing, and that to me was the key Man. sequence. Yeah, Mahomes is
2: banged up, but that doesn't explain what's going on with this this defense this is supposed to be an improved defense a couple weeks ago that was uh you know a buzz a buzzy narrative around it well right now they don't look too hot
5: well by far their best player on defense is chris jones he's one of the best defensive players in the entire league he's not there and their (laughs) defensive end tandem of frank clark and alex okafor have been almost non-existent from a pass rush uh, standpoint this year and teams are running all over them too
2: are you worried about the chiefs or is this just a little bump in the road right now
5: I think we'll see a different team on offense when they're fully healthy, and now that they have Tyreek Hill back, that doesn't bother me as much. When the quarterback's healthy and the offensive line's healthy, they'll move the ball. It's, it's the defense
4: where I just – I don't see that backbone that you need for a championship team. They're the team that needs the bye week to happen soon, and it doesn't happen for months for them.
2: All right, so the Chiefs couldn't get any stop stops. Let's uh, check in on a team that plays in the NFC West that couldn't stop getting stops. Can't stop getting stops.
0: That's a thing. Fourth and goal, one yard line. They walk up to the line. Here's a give to Malcolm Brown. 49ers push it back. He did not get it. The 49ers goal line stand. They will take over on their own one yard line.
2: Greg Papa and Tim Ryan with the call. Yeah, that was really the turning point of, the, of this game between the Niners and Rams at the Coliseum. A goal line stop by that San Francisco defense in the second quarter, and the Rams never really competed again. The 49ers, 20-7, to a win uh, that even the score, even it was a, a convincing win score-wise. That doesn't quite, quite tell the story here of how dominant the Niners were. Uh, I mean, this was a game Jared Goff, a guy who this time last year was getting MVP chatter. Uh, and he's been up and down this year, as we know. Uh, but he was held to 78 yards passing, a career low. And no Todd Gurley. They ran the ball pretty well. The Rams did early on in the game. Uh, but eventually, San Francisco just squeezed the life uh, out of the Rams in their building. I mean, that is a big, big win for the Niners, who are now 5-0. and And any questions, Greg, about... The Niners are being answered over the last six days with their performances against the Browns at home and the Rams on the road. And all all these concerns that have been in the periphery around the Rams are now coming to focus as if to tell us the Rams might be in trouble.
3: They are because the 49ers and the Seahawks are in their division and the 49ers almost feel chemically engineered to beat the Rams. The Rams' two biggest weaknesses, without a doubt right now, are pass protection And so you play the 49ers in this front, and Jared Goff has no time. Jared Goff had one more first down than Blake Bortles did today. One. Mm. That's it. And then the other big weakness the Rams have had, really since Wade Phillips has been there, has been their run defense. It doesn't hurt you as much when you're ahead in games, uh, but it certainly hurt today, and you fall behind against the 49ers, and they were able to control things in the second half.
4: The Niners, when they are good, are absolutely ferocious bullies. And it's a lot of these parts that... You know, the past couple off seasons and seasons, they've had players on defense and offense. And when will it all gel, come together and turn into wins? Well, it is happening right now. And their formula when they get up early in games or they start to tire out of defense, then unleash their ground game. They're unstoppable, and it's every team that deals with San Francisco comes out of it with that city's media questioning the coaching staff, questioning the quarterback attached to that team, because they're going in and dropping mega hammers on people left and right. And anyone who thought, oh, you know what? Well, you've got to go actually beat the Rams for us to believe in you. Well, box checked. Have a nice day.
5: Yeah, two weeks in a row they played against overrated offenses. The Browns' offense isn't very good. The Rams' offense is not good and there's a lot of listeners asking us to talk about Sean McVay. I don't think that he all of a sudden got dumb. I mean, he's a smart coach. They had the 2017 Offensive Player of the Year and a first-team All-Pro who is now the last-ranked running back in pro football focus, their entire offense, based on Todd Gurley and how their run looks look the same as their pass looks. And now it's not happening. Jared Goff hasn't played well, and the offensive line – is materially different than it was. I just think it's gone that, from one
3: of the best to one of the worst.
5: You've gone; those three things are happening, and I, I just okay. Maybe some coaches have a blueprint on Sean McVay's offense, but it also isn't the same offense without Todd Gurley. You know what happened to him? He got Robert
4: Salad.
3: <laughs> right, and that's why you got it. If you're Greg Zerlin, you got to kick. You got to hit that kick last week in Seattle because you don't know when you're gonna really, really need it. And at this point, they're three down in the division. And they have to go to San Francisco later. And they're not good. Wes,
2: you were talking about, you were talking about in a similar situation a, few, a couple of weeks ago, although their fortunes have changed dramatically since then, that people just putting the Viking struggles on Kirk Cousins were not looking at the big picture. I think Goff is going to get the lion's share of the heat here after having a miserable game. Uh, but for all the reasons that you're, you've just stated, that the offensive line is not playing well, that Todd Gurley was one of the best football players in the world uh, 18 months ago, and now he's just another guy potentially. The Rams are in a bit of a transition that they're going through in real time, and sometimes that can cost you a season.
5: We, we always simplify it because it's way too complex for us to understand, and we're not close enough to the situation to know exactly what's going on. But it's, it's never just the quarterback's fault. And Goff has not played with the same confidence. He's dropping back a lot more because they can't do as much play action without a good running game. So I think you're seeing part of that. But, yeah, I think it's four or five things that are going wrong.
3: Jimmy G is a great example of it's not just the quarterback. He's thrown seven touchdowns and five interceptions. The, The Rams' defense, they'll take what they gave today. They're not really built to be a dominant defense. The 49ers had the ball 11 times. They scored 20 points. They got about 300 yards. You know, that's that's kind of what the Rams defense is going to do. Jimmy G is okay, but he's supported by right now kind of the best supporting group in the entire NFL.
4: I would suggest, I know that people will want to, you know, check this out on a condensed 40-minute version of the game. I would I, I would suggest that you watch <laughs> the entire thing in real time. Uh, the announcing is a little rough, but you could gather your friends around. Shlera's and, shot. A little bit rough, but you could gather your friends around and play a raucous drinking game for every time that Niners defensive coordinator Robert Salah does a <laughs> fist bump on the sideline as his defense is coming off the field after wreaking total havoc. It's Salah?
3: It's not Salah? Salah.
4: I you think.
5: never hear it announced the same way twice. I think it's
3: Salah.
2: Um, he, I don't know. That is one of the images he of the gonna week. he going got to be a head
5: coach. We need he a, became he, a star He will today. be
4: the Redskins head coach three weeks from now.
3: He's too, <laughs> he's too buff, and he just – looks like a head you coach. You said hot earlier in a private These You were mentioning these, own, like the own, these owners are watching and it, I've, I've, this is one thing I've learned over the years. It's not much more complicated than they just, if Ian and Adam Schefter say like, oh, here are the hot coaching candidates. That's just who they interview. It's the combination of that and how they look. Kind of like, do they look good? So, and has Ian mentioned them? What? That's the key. <laughs> okay. And so, those two things, Salah's got it.
5: That's an interesting Salah. theory, but most of these teams are now hiring consulting firms to do their coaches.
3: Or Charlie
2: Casserly,
5: Corn Ferry. <laughs> or Ask Peter You know Schrager.
2: what? On second thought, Mark, it wasn't in the private conversation. You didn't say hot, you said beautiful. I didn't, so, I God,
5: didn't say
4: was, And I know this gets overplayed too much, but Jimmy G, uh, helmet off, along the sideline, rallying the offensive line, he has gotten a little hotter. I'm just gonna be honest. I don't know what's happening. We just got a little, little bit here, more folks. attractive. It is 1:21. 121.
2: In the <laughs> We've been here for like 14 hours. All right, let's move on. It's a
0: good call. Mayfield looks that way, throws the slant ball, it's intercepted K.J. Wright, the ball is tipped off of the receiver, Hilliard K.J. Wright is right there, he reaches out the Browns fans are heading for the exits and K.J. Wright is heading for the end zone to kneel down and have his picture taken Four turnovers, three interceptions, one fumble by these Browns, and KJ Wright comes up with a huge takeaway his first pick of the season. All right.
2: Uh, you know, Seahawks <laughs> Radio Network with the call. No, Mark, it was not supposed to be going this way in 2019, but here we are. Baker, Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's fourth quarter interception is third of the game and 11th of the season a backbreaker for the browns and a game changer for the seahawks who wiped away a big first half deficit and route to a 32 to 28 win in cleveland where the browns are zero and three this year mark the seahawks are the one team that can look at a 20 to 6 deficit which is what they faced in this game in the first half and they don't blink
4: yeah i mean you and i were watching this and we said that to ourselves because it, you never felt safe to me, that Cleveland jumped out to that lead. Their offense, I thought early on, looked good. Baker Mayfield was pretty well protected in this game. It was tw- they, ju- they had 20 points before the first quarter was over. They sk- scored eight more the rest of the game, and it was just total collapse in the sense of not kind of unlike the Bucks' offense too, where ter- you cannot this team cannot overcome incredible mistakes against a team like the Seahawks that are playing like an NFC title contender right now. And it was the three interceptions. Chubb had – Nick Chubb, who played an otherwise a fantastic game and looks like one of the best running backs in the NFL right now, had a very costly fumble. It, you know, sandwiched in between those mistakes was a, a blocked punt that turned the, the tide as well. Cleveland just – they, they I, I when I watched Freddie Kitchens a lot, he is getting killed after this game for a series also. And I will try to make – I'll explain it in a compact fashion. He essentially uh, – They drove down deep against the Seahawks and they went forward on a fourth down and something like outside of the red zone.
2: Fourth and three at about the 25 or so. We watched that happen and
4: they got it and then they got down deep to fourth and one. And it's like, listen, you got to go for it again. You already went for it. Why would you now kick a field goal? And they attempted to. (laughs) And this was at a key point in the game. And Nick Chubb rolled in for the touchdown to cap what was a successful drive, but Freddie Kitchens had thrown the challenge flag right before he crossed the goal line for a previous play where right Jarvis, Land, right, Jarvis Landry looked like he had been, you know, fumbled the ball into the end zone, essentially. And there was a lot of rigamore around that. That call was not upheld, so the Browns had to go for it again, and they did not get it. And then they come back. Seattle marches Seattle right down marches. the field, well, Seattle 14 Seattle swing. No, Seattle at that point actually was forced into a punt. Oh, that's right. And Cleveland did come back and score the touchdown. Right, they so took the lead. They did. I, I would say this, though. And the field that, position was part of right, it. Right, and my point is that Freddie Kitchen should not be killed for being aggressive and, and doing what he did. There are times when this offense, and it feels like it's a coaching thing, just is a little overwhelmed and doesn't have a full game plan together.
2: The, the point I was – the part of the game I was thinking of – Browns are in control of the game. This seems to have happened a couple times now where Cleveland has a chance to really put a stamp on a game and then things go sideways. They're marching down the field late in the half, uh, up, I believe, double digits. Uh, Baker throws an interception uh, in the end zone. And then, to compound matters, the defense then lets down and Seattle marches all the way down the other way in the other direction and scores a touchdown. It's just been, that's the type of stuff that's happening with the Browns this year. They just don't, they are not, Executing the way they need to execute right, it's, and they're two and four because it's, it's of
4: it. also the stuff that's been happening to Seattle because there is total team belief. They are as well coached as any club in the league right now. And I think it's a lesson, and I know everyone wanted Cleveland to be six and one at this point. It is a lesson against a team that was better prepared, has players that don't make mistakes, and Cleveland's still learning how to play there. They've had to deal with the Rams, Niners, and Seahawks over the last three weeks and mm. have the Patriots after the bye. They've, they nearly beat the Rams. They nearly beat one today. They lost to a better team today. The Seahawks are an NFC title type. And they team.
3: lost. They were short three offensive linemen, the Seahawks. But you know what? Russell Wilson and MVP candidates and good organizations like the Seahawks do, they close. They get that end yep. of the first half touchdown. The Browns took the lead in this game with nine minutes left. And what does Wilson do? He goes nine plays, 64 yards, touchdown. The next time they get the ball, it's not over yet. Either. They get their two first downs to say bye, Browns. They closed out the game. They picked up the interception. Mayfield is just like a hair bit behind his receiver. Hilliard makes a bad play, and it gets picked off, and that's just that's just what's killing the Browns. It's just these little things, but they're not closing.
4: I should mention, too, Baker played through a hip injury that I think I, I wouldn't just be surprised if it that. knocked him out for a game or two because he they was got in now. noticeable pain. Yep. Uh, He's... Th- He's going through the painful process
5: of trying to become what Russell Wilson is, and he's just not there yet. Nope.
2: And we talked about it on Thursday. This was a big game at home, and they got they need now a really season-changing win, and maybe it's against the Patriots, but right now Don't hold your breath. It is not looking good for the Browns. Let us move on. Third down and goal from the 5. Bridgewater in the gun, three receivers left, one right. Jags rush for Bridgewater throws back to the end zone. Caught. Jared Cook. Touchdown. Back of the end zone. And that is a huge score by the New Orleans Saints. Cook is cooking. <laughs> Zach Street, Deuce McAllister. Saints Radio Network. Teddy Bridgewater found Jared Cook. There's Jared Cook. Jared Cook making a play. Four-yard score early in the fourth quarter. The Saints held on to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 13-6. New Orleans is now 4-0 without Drew Brees. Wes, the Jags and Gardner Minshew are the latest to feel the wrath of New Orleans' swarming beat.
5: I felt the wrath, too, because I locked up against this team.
2: Oh, no, Wes. We're in historic territory now.
5: I am in my own head so bad. I feel like I have a good beat on this New Orleans Saints offense. Um, Teddy sailed a bunch of balls early. They were not impressive, but I've. I've underrated the defense's ability to keep the other team's offense from really cracking double figures or doing much of anything. They just play so well as a team together. They've been doing it ever since Drew Brees went down with the injury. They did it again today. This was the first time that Gardner Minshew really looked like a rookie. He was overwhelmed, did not complete 50% of his passes. They got the ball back with seven minutes to go and a chance to tie and went three and out, Mm. never got the ball again. Because the Saints are playing that winning brand of football right now.
3: Is, is Dennis Allen doing better than any defensive coordinator in the league? I don't know if we've said his Sala. name. Salah. Robert Salah. I, Sala. I, I don't know if we've said Dennis Allen's name yet, but if you go through the game plans of the teams that he has shut out and shut down in a row, whether it's Seattle, Dallas, Jacksonville, whom i forget in last week. I mean, he has won against his opposing offensive coordinator week after week. Mm.
5: Dennis Allen. Just keep him
4: as a coordinator. Sure. Do not hire I'm not, I'm him not saying coach. you don't
3: need to be a head coach. I mean, that's yes. that's a great job. He's making a lot of
4: uh, money, making a lot of people happy. I once saw Dennis Allen at the combine, <laughs> and he was coming out of the men's room as I was going in, and he was very nice and held the door for me, and couldn't have been a nicer gentleman. So I would support him as a head coach candidate. Good, if nug, you were to good nug. Go back to that.
3: Not level. one of those guys who kind of like are weird and will try to like get by you because they don't want to touch the handle of the bathroom. No, door.
4: It's like, was, calm down, he, guys. No, he handled it very well.
7: I was sick with the flu at the combine, remember how sick I got? And yeah. I was waiting in the airport, and I saw Dwayne Haskins go into one of the family n- stalls, yes. like the single stalls, like a family one, and he was in there for like 25 minutes. And I texted Eddie, and I was like, this guy, I've got a weird vibe, I'm telling you. And I called it, but carry on. That's a
3: good story. 25 minutes of what you oh, camped really? out. That's a major I red was, flag. I was sitting. You camped out. You I were there at, waiting. I was at a
7: restaurant. I was, like, eating, trying to get some soup. And I saw him go. There was, like, a <laughs> mom and kids, and he, like, went into the single bathroom. <laughs> might have
3: been a medical. It might have been an emergency. Now, the red flag
2: know? could range from. Anything. Any number of things, but none of them good.
4: No. You've been holding on to that story like a pro for a while. <laughs> right? waiting to drop dropped the bomb moment. in
2: Rog's suite in a big spot, you know. Mark, uh, you and I, it's become a little rivalry about the the belief and failure to believe in Gardner Minshew. I'm not going to pile on because it's one game against a great defense. But I did think uh, that he's in trouble when I saw the ESPN profile that called him a genius this week. I said, oh, that's going to jinx him. He got jinxed.
3: Him. It was a bad game.
4: I mean, OK, but. He, they, I think I look at the rest of the offense around Gardner Minshew, and I feel like he's done a lot with a little. I, they just don't seem to me to have all the parts it a-
3: Alvin Kamara looked very banged up in this game, and he's producing like a guy who's banged up. It wouldn't surprise me if they sat him down. It seems like a, a good idea.
2: Any other thoughts on this game, gentlemen?
3: I'm going to quit picking against
5: the Saints.
2: <laughs> Let's move on. High formation, play action, Kirk,
0: straight drop, pass it, fires. caught. Touchdown! Stefan Diggs just hit the touchdown
5: right back up. The game oh. I should have locked.
2: Oh, bless. Sorry, bro. P- Paul Allen, Vikings Radio Network, Kirk Cousins, Stefan Diggs. Three times it worked. Kirk Cousins threw four touchdowns overall. Three for through for 333. Thre- it is 131 a.m. yards. The Vikings destroyed the Eagles. Thirty-eight to twenty in Minneapolis. Greg, you have to hand it to the Vikings. Two weeks ago, they looked like a team on the brink of implosion, and after Sunday, they look like they look like a team that can take out anyone in the NFC, especially in their
3: building. Four and two. We asked the question going into this game, and this is partly the question that uh, got inside of Chris Wesseling's head. Do the Vikings In his trust mind. Kirk Cousins? <laughs> we said it on Thursday. Do the Cous- the Vikings trust Kirk Cousins to go over the top of the Eagles over and over? Because that is so clearly the way to beat them. Instead of trying to run into a brick wall. And you know what? We found out the answer is yes. He can do it. I mean, he got Stefan Diggs almost to 200 yards by the beginning of the second quarter. I think Zach Brown was the linebacker of the the Eagles who called Kirk Cousins the weak link stupid. of the Minnesota Vikings this week. Stupid. Unfortunately the weak link in this game was Sidney Jones. <laughs> you don't wanna ever just pick on one guy, but we do it with cousins and Sidney Jones, the cornerback for the Eagles, was just mm. filleted up and down the field throughout the game, had some penalties. It was it was a disaster.
4: Dan- Sorry, you could, cannot continue with the sound. I'm going not going last it. to this show if you, what? you do it. The, Which one? Just all of them. I don't I mean I <laughs> want you to, but, the, but it just my mind. That
2: was stupid. To... <laughs> no, Kirk Cousins. Shout out to Kirk because <laughs> I. It's, it's
3: the every week Kirk update. I hey, believe Chris. in
2: you, Kirk, and uh, he's a guy that you could you could hate on Kirk Cousins, and I get it. Uh, but he is not a guy to completely disregard because...
5: Oh, no, this game didn't exist. His it didn't happen on national TV <laughs> with everybody watching, so it doesn't count that, for Kirk see, Cousins' stats.
2: I think this one doesn't... That doesn't fall under the, the classic Kirk Cousins... Uh, dominant because this is against uh, dominant performance because this was against a, a good Eagles team, maybe an Eagles team that's not quite as good as Their some past people. Their defense is a weakness. Including myself, have thought them to be. Mark, I knew entering the season yeah, you no, and I were on the same page on this. Mind my mind is very yes. confused about this right now, <laughs> about where much. Philly stands as a team through six weeks. But this has been a great bounce back by the whole team's, but especially Cousins, who was really under a lot of pressure to perform in the last two weeks, and that's exactly what he's done. Shout out to Kirk Cousins. I've
4: been shredding the Vikings for just simply not believing in a lot of things about them, and it, I will be silent now because the, this is one. What that about next your, week? If the you know, well, no, I mean, but then to everybody but, thinking Kirk
5: Cousins just flat out can't play football for some. But reason. I, but
4: I don't think like I think at least with the four of us, we've come to the conclusion it's not just simply a Kirk Cousins thing. When the line was giving him constant issues, I, I think they correctly went and attacked an Eagles defense that, outside of that Jets game, you know, minus Sam Darnold, which means nothing. As giving up about 27 points a week, and is is not a strong defense, and is that I don't see the quick fix there. How that's going to change? And the Vikings, you know, I wonder if they had internal meetings at some point to say we need to be more than just Dalvin Cook running the ball 35 times a game. And there was maybe a well, bit that of was a at the center the
2: of that entire controversy sure. around the team. Around the team two weeks ago, Adam Thielen spoke up. Stefan Diggs tried to pull an Antonio Brown for a moment there and, and I guess changed his mind. They said, we were really good on offense last year. Let us be us, and you, could, and you could essentially have Dalvin Cook still be special while also keeping our passing
3: game relevant and competent, and that's what we've
2: seen well, the last I mean, two those weeks.
4: Those things can tear a team apart from the inside out, and the opposite has happened here. Right,
3: and sometimes it just comes down to hitting one play. You know, and that just changes it. They hit a, he hit a nice throw to Diggs early. Then there was a total busted coverage where he had two guys that could have had a 50-yard touchdown. He makes the right play on that, and suddenly you're rolling. But the difference between when I was watching these two teams, the Eagles offense, everything they do is hard and contested. And Carson Wentz is working really hard for it, and the receivers are working hard for it. And, Howard and Sanders are working hard, and no one's like no, they're not that open. You know, I'm used to seeing things be a little easier where the scheme is helping out the Eagles, and instead it's Carson Wentz needing to play really great to not even keep up with the Vikings, and and that's a problem. The the Eagles' offense also needs to be better. It doesn't
4: help the. People wondering if Frank or the Frank Reich argument where you lose a lot of offensive coaching talent and their oh, offense is never talking
2: really been, about that. Doug well, Peterson's a good coach. He is a good coach. He is. he is a good
4: coach. he is a good coach. There's no question about that. And but Frank Reich's never, a good coach. They had they've two never good coaches. been the same on offense. They need to uh, so really can still talk about. They it really maybe.
3: miss Deshaun Jackson just because they don't have anyone that stretches the field. And that's a weakness of their. Roster right now, which everyone like me talked up because Aguilar is just not a guy you can rely on right now. And their rookie, uh, Artega Ar- Whiteside, uh, has not earned. <laughs> nice. Not earned, uh, I liked it. I just didn't see snaps. it coming. That they're also snaps. a team. That they need like, Deshaun.
4: They, are, they have two losses that came on essentially dropped passes in the final minute or two. I mean, And I they're tied Eagles for their okay. division
3: lead. They're tied for their division lead. Spoiler. They're OK, but they've been three and three is disappointing, I think.
2: It uh, is. I, I trust Wentz them back. to
4: battle out of this, too. But, I, but I, there are they're not a dominant looking. By the way,
2: hated, 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 hated uh, late in the second quarter, because I think the game kind of got away from after this point down, um, I believe was it twenty four ten at that point. And are they have fourth down. They have a chance to kick a field goal, go into the half field and good about themselves. Instead, they call a fake field goal. Jake Elliott throws an interception. Uh, and it was kind of all downhill from there. I'm not saying that's why they lost the game, but I thought maybe take those points. You're, you're coming back on, on them a little bit. Maybe it's a different outcome. Uh, but you know what? The Philly Special worked in the Super Bowl. This one didn't work. That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah.
5: This worked. Vikings team has one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. I've already said I'm not going to pick against them all year at home. And they clo- Are you going to lock them up? No, but oh, they close out the season. <laughs> too late, Wes. They close out the season with home games against the Lions, Packers, and Bears, their division, and three of the – Final four games. That is a huge advantage for a team huge advantage.
2: That just doesn't lose at home. But also a lot of pressure. There's still as uh, as much as I just talked up Cousins. Those are games that he's going to have to slay some. Uh,
5: that's fair.
3: Uh, some internal mind dragons. <laughs> <What>? Speaking of <laughs> mind, dragons. you know what Johnny Unitas <laughs> would say? the The quote is right above us as we tape this. Ooh, I like this. Talk is cheap. Let's go play. Exactly, and that's what Estarn
2: did on Sunday at the Meadowlands shotgun for
6: prescott
0: zeke elliott to his left jets with elliott now motioning to the left
2: come with the blitz prescott off his back foot End zone. Incomplete. he threw it at the
1: feet of witten and the jets get the stop on the two-point play 43 seconds to go
2: thank god we get to hear the great bob was of the jets radio network jamal adams Perfectly timed blitz, fouled up Dak Prescott's two-point conversion attempt in the final minute, clinching a 24-22 win for the Jaymen over the Cowboys at the Meadowlands. Sam Darnold's return meant everything for the Jets, who looked like a real-life NFL offense after weeks of ineptitude during Darnold's bout with the... Mark?
4: Kissing disease normally suffered by teenage boys and girls.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Tony Romo did this game... With Jim Nance, uh, which, you know, I think Tony Rome was calling the shots, Wes, you know, these days. And he had a chance to not only talk, uh, cover a game featuring his old team, but the quarterback and Darnold, which we knew from last year that he thinks is special. And it, it all lined up because, especially in the first half, they cooled off a little bit in the second half, uh, or a lot of it, I should say. But Darnold was lights out uh, in from about the midpoint of the first quarter uh, through the end of uh, the first half. Uh, the high point during a 21 point surge that put the Jets ahead 21 to 3 and 21 six and a half was a beautiful 92 yard touchdown pass, um, a gorgeous rainbow where he, he bought a little bit of time. And you see that he, he has such great footwork and he's such a fundamentally sound quarterback, and he's only 22 years old. So what gets you so excited. Uh, when, when you watch him, he's feeling right. But he threw a beautiful rainbow right into Robbie Anderson's hands, who takes it to the house. Anderson went over 100 yards, as you should when you have a 92-yard touchdown. <laughs> I think uh, Jameson Crowder hit 100 or perhaps 99 yards right on the nose. Basically, the Jets were back to being a real team again, which just tells you, um, A, how horrible the Jets quarterback situation was without Darnold, and B, how promising Darnold is
3: as a prospect. And how, how good the defense has been, too. that it, They've kept them in games if they had a quarterback. In this game, they did, and then they won it. Yeah, we've got this
5: quote again, Greg. Talk is cheap. Let's go play. And I, I've been calling the Cowboys the most talented roster in the NFL. I still believe that, but they're not playing to that talent. Today, they were out their left tackle and their right tackle, two of the best tackles in the NFL. Uh, their defense, same personnel as last year. They had Robert Quinn. Demarcus Lawrence not playing nearly as well as last Coming year. Coming off
3: a very major surgery. And
5: Greg, you raised these points in August. Guys like Demarcus Lawrence and Byron Jones, you can't just expect them to miss the entire offseason, come off surgery, and play at the same Pro Bowl level they did a year ago, and they're not playing at they're not disruptive this year.
4: I thought that Adam Gase was a huge winner today because we got to see someone who was able to coach using, as Romo mentioned, the entire playbook at his disposal with a quarterback in Darnold who threw the ball. Great. Who knew how he was going to look coming off of this absence? It's not an easy like illness that he went through and probably is still going through to some degree. Looked fantastic. And, you know, I have a, f- a childhood friend, Peter Acton, who you guys have met, who listens to every show and is a level headed Cowboys fan who wrote me after and said, I, Garrett, it's time for Garrett to go. <laughs> and I'll tell, well, that is. How like, many times has he said that no, in the last year? In eight fact, years. Very, f- <laughs> very infrequently because it's three games in a row against the Saints Packers and this inexcusable situation against the Jets. I mean, they're they pretty been, banged
2: up on the road. They are,
4: but they have been ill-prepared, too. Yeah. They, have no, they, you, they have no advantage from the coaching position. Well, and good luck in the NFC.
2: I'll say this, because it's the Jets season was so weird that when we were all going into week one, I think we were all on the same page that the Jets could be a very competitive team. Maybe not a Super Bowl winner, but a team that could, if things broke the right way, win nine or ten games. And they looked like that for most of week one. Darnold disappears, and they're arguably the worst team in football. Now that he's back with a Greg Williams defense that continues to perform well, the jets are probably a pretty decent team. And I think it's no sin against the jets that with Darnold to lose when you're that banged up as the Cowboys were, because not only were they missing the players we mentioned, uh, Amari Cooper goes out after one catch for three yards. He's not right. And I, I will give Dak Prescott Uh, And the Cowboys offense credit Zeke Elliott really heated up. He looked like Zeke in the second half and they were able to score those last two touchdowns and they couldn't get the two point conversion to force overtime. Uh, But they, they did put it in a fight. They didn't roll over and die at 21 three. And my last thought on this game is that in week one and Darnold was uh, already feeling uh, the effects of the mono, which you could, um, you know, put into his performance, not being up to par against Buffalo, uh, but one of my big disappointments from week one last time we saw him was he wasn't able to lead them in the fourth quarter when they needed a big drive in this game when the Cowboys started their charge and late in the fourth quarter and they needed some insurance points. Darnold led him down the field. They got the field goal which ended up being the difference in a two-point game. So it was a big day of progress for the Jets.
4: I think a next step for this offense is I'd love to see Le'Veon Bell have a game where he's doing the marvelous things that we're used to, where he's dominating, because that's why they signed him for, you win, for seen the money yet. they did. No. I think
3: the, the line is is going to be an issue getting in the way, but I think he has the potential to. I love the game ending, though, on Jamal Adams' blitzing on the two-point conversion, Great really call. to win, because to me that's Greg Williams's defense, and... And Jamal Adams is clearly the leader of this team, and it's going to be aggressive. And Greg Williams is really good at improving the team he joins in year one. And that the gains don't always hold into year three, but, man, it's just a proven track record that in year one they play their ass off, and they are this year.
2: They are not a talent-heavy defense, but they are playing pretty well this year. All right, let's move on.
3: So Miami going
2: for two and the win. Fitzpatrick going to go under center. Two-point conversion for the ball game.
6: Fitzpatrick takes, throws it off, it is muffed, and the Redskins going to win this ball game as they botch the two-point attempt. Don't even know what they were thinking. I think it
2: was going to be a trick play, and the Redskins going to walk away with their first win of the year. They'll take it. Heck yeah, we'll take it, Cooley. We'll take it. Yes, they will take it, <laughs> Yes, they will. Larry Michael and Chris Cooley of the Redskins Radio Network with the call. The Dolphins came so close to their first victory uh, with the help of some Fitz Magic, but a two-point conversion failed and allowed the Redskins to escape with a 17 to 16 win, their first win of the season. Mark, somebody had to win. Somebody had to win.
4: Someone had to win. And, you know, it's we could, I could dig Russian novel style into the twists and turns of this game. I don't know if anyone's begging for that. If you are, hit me up privately, and I will send you a personal voice recording. I would love tenor. to see, uh, yeah.
3: like, 552, you know, pages of words translated by Pavir and Volshansky, you know, into English that you wrote
4: in hey, listen, Russian. It's possible. This. That may be coming. I mean, the thing that, that feels like it's no longer... In the mix for the Dolphins is whatever they were planning to do with Josh Rosen this year, whatever they were planning to see, you know, days after they announced that he's going to go with them for the rest of the year as their starter. That lasted, what, two quarters? Yeah, I mean, he and the one matchup concern for Miami every week, but I thought this week especially, Washington's pass rush, which has been active, which gave Tom Brady some fits a week ago, quickly dropped Josh Rosen to the mat five times in this game. And both quarterbacks, Case Keenum and Rosen, combined for about 120 yards passing in the first half plus. Rosen
2: got benched, right? He got benched. It was abysmal. So what's going on with that?
4: Ryan Fitzpatrick came in. Well, he got benched because he was getting battered left and right, and and it looked terrible through two interceptions. Fitzpatrick came in, and it's not surprising. He can see the field more quickly than Josh Rosen. Uh, he goes through his progressions more quickly. He's just the veteran guy that quickly brought life to the team and brought them back, and they had a chance to, you know, win the game with the two-point conversion. I do to tell you. I mean, the Redskins did exactly what they said they were going to do under Bruce Callahan. They ran Adrian Peterson 23 times for 100-plus yards. It was not an impressive showing at all, but they eked <laughs> out a win against two teams going literally nowhere right now.
5: That recipe works Against the worst team in the NFL. Right. I don't know if it's going to work against any other team.
3: I mean, and it, it only worked by, what, two yards, you know. <laughs> it if, worked if by it, a drop. Who knows if the Dolphins kick that extra point. I'm disappointed in the trend of going for two but failing. So this is the third time this year that I can – Think of. So you want them head. to go for two. I but love win. going for two, but they're out for three this year. I think this is the third game this year mm-hmm. where a coach has tried that to win the game and none of them have worked. And even if he didn't drop this uh, pass, it did not look like it was going. Into no, the, it was the a terrible night. play
2: no. call. Terry McLaurin <laughs> is the maybe one of the lone bright spots for Stun. Washington this year for for 100 in this game and two touchdowns. And Adrian Peterson, Mark, you mentioned he went over 100 yards but did not score. I'm pretty sure he's just in the league now so he can pass his boyhood hero, Walter Payton, on the rushing touchdowns, all-time list. He's three behind right now. And when you go for 118 on a crappy Redskins team, you don't find the end zone. I bet he was sneaky annoyed that he, he, he didn't score to today. Pay. He's got bills to pay, certainly. All right, so the Redskins get the whim. The Dolphins dodge a bullet. Let's face it. They're not looking to fall behind the Redskins for the number one overall pick. Uh, so perhaps two teams won on Sunday. Let's face it, and let's move on.
0: Second down and six. Pistol formation. Ingram is the back. Jackson will keep it off the fake. Left side, 15, 10, 5. Jackson taken down the one-yard line. Just shy of the pylon. No, they signal touchdown. He got in, hitting the pylon.
2: Jerry Sandusky, WBAL with the call. Lamar Jackson was back in dominant mode on Sunday. Running for a career-high 152 yards. What? Then a touchdown. He threw for 236 yards. And he guided the Ravens past the Morabund Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> 23 to 17. Greg, we talked about it on Thursday. Lamar was due for another banger, and a banger was delivered.
3: Yeah, I mean, Lamar is a delight. And maybe right now he's a little more fun to watch than he is like a dominant top five quarterback. But no one expected him to be a dominant top five quarterback right now. Maybe he's better in fantasy than he is in reality, because Lamar is a league winner right now. If If you're rolling out Lamar every week and you drafted him in the 12th round, you're doing pretty good in fantasy. And for people that didn't watch this game, don't worry about the final score. Don't worry that they didn't quite take advantage of all the opportunities that they had. They held the ball for so much of this game. And the two Bengals touchdowns came on a kick return to open the game. That's seven and then a garbage-time touchdown with one minute left. That's seven more. The Ravens' defense played really well. The Ravens' offense held the ball pretty much the whole game, and it was dominant, and it's what you expect when a team that's not a you know a doormat plays the Bengals these days. They went easy. So we learned nothing. I think we learned the Ravens are two games up in the division, and even though the Browns have the win over them. If the Ravens can be the type of team that takes care of business against bad teams and that their defense continues to get a little better, they're in good shape right now. I think we also learned that it's
2: not a matter of if Lamar Jackson is going to eventually break Michael Vick's single-game rushing record for a quarterback of 173 yards. It's when. He could have done it today. He didn't run much at the very end of the game, but he is an absolute uh, monster running the football. He has three career 100-yard games tied with who, Wes? Billy Kil- Kilmer, for most by a quarterback in his first two seasons since I was not expecting that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Billy,
4: why, Billy uh, fast shoes, that's what they call him. <laughs> Wes is definitely Heat. looking for the heat-seeking trivia questions at 2.04 a.m. And Jackson's first
2: 100-yard game came last November when he first played the Bengals. I was just thinking that, speaking of that, we're past 2 a.m. now here at the Big Tot. This is definitely a record itself for the longest Mm. anyone's ever worked at this building. Uh,
3: I think we could put ourselves in the record books for that. Lamar did set a record, too, by the way. No one else had ever run for 150 and passed for 200. How about a little game? And Zach Taylor said that he, he was... It's like the rarest athlete or one of them that you've ever seen on a football field. Like It's like, what can you really come up with? Because a lot of the plays he ran were not called runs, of course. They were scrambles on third and longs, and that was kind of key to their office.
4: Another fantasy winner is Mark Andrews, if you got him at tight end. I think it, he is perfect for this oh, offense. Oh, remember, remember, nice. old Great. on
3: and the old Good fantasy round. preview, uh, from on high, Mr. Mm. Evan Silva laughed his little head off at the Mark Andrews-Lamar Jackson <laughs> Double sandwich I was suggesting. Eat it, Silva. Credit, credit to, to what you. you say at 2 in the morning, Greg. That <laughs> may credit come back to mind you. you. he is a large <laughs> man. Much bigger For your you. talent ability. Uh,
5: Silva had some logic behind it, but sometimes the player just really good.
3: And I'm sure in that same preview I had to defend Christian McCaffrey at some point. And I also said to draft Jordan Reed. So, you know, they can't all be winners. <laughs> all
2: right. So, Lamar Jackson undoubtedly a star on the rise of quarterback. Oh, now. Oh, look. It's a falling star. Three to the right, two to the left on this third and nine. Duck and
0: snap. Five-man pressure. Mario looking for a place to go down. He throws the ball. The ball will be intercepted by Justin Simmons.
2: Dave Logan, Broncos Radio Network with the call. Sunday, October 13th, 2019. The end of the Marcus Mariota era in Nashville. The fifth-year passer struggled mightily against the Broncos, failing to lead the Titans past midfield before giving way to Ryan Tannehill, who fared no better. The Fangio's Broncos get the shutout win. What was a 13 zip Wes? 16, 16 zip. Hey, Wes, you seemed almost pleasurably disturbed by the game as you watched it.
5: <laughs> this game was exactly <laughs> <That's a kid. laughs> what we all thought it would be by the by the beginning of the fourth quarter. I think Marcus Mariota had led an offense that had 88 total yards. He had a single digit passer rating first two interceptions of the year uh, when he finally stopped taking sacks. Uh, the Broncos at that point were 1-for-12 on third downs, and the only touchdown in the game came from a guy who lives with his parents.
6: <laughs> that was the was, line of the day that? from Wes. That was Philip Lindsay. <laughs> He's a good I player. But good there
5: guy. were some takeaways in this game. <laughs> Marcus Mariota and this offensive line are a combination that just has run its course. We don't need to see it anymore. It's not working. Mm. They went... Uh, They had seven points in about a seven-quarter stretch going back to last week. Ryan Tannehill came in and took even more sacks than Marcus Mariota. He had four sacks. They had a chance to finally break the end zone and um, another fourth-down debacle. The Titans just are broken on offense, and I don't know how much of it's on their first-year offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, but it does seem like Mike Vrabel, when he was looking for an offensive coordinator, wanted one who's willing to play – Games that never go over 20 points
2: did. How did Tannehill look? Doesn't seem like he got the offense sparked by the final. Scoring. I mean, he
5: had more than double
2: the
3: yardage and he
5: moved the chains a little bit better. But you never know in a game like that how much of it is that the defense is taken his foot off the gas pedal a little bit. They're up comfortably at that point. I, I think he came in and moved the sticks, but I don't. After the game, they talked about – and Mike Vrabel didn't sound like he's ready to make a change, and nobody knows what they want to do yet. They're going to – you know, they gave the old let us watch the film thing, and and we'll talk about it and come up with an answer. But
2: once you you make the in-game change, whether or not he starts next week, it just seems like what everyone is saying here, that this feels like potentially the beginning of the end because now he's – what happened today lets you know that he's used up all of his rope. He's you know? not the
5: same quarterback. I mean, believe it or not, when Marcus Mariota first entered the league, he was fun to watch, and the Titans' offense was fairly fun to watch at that point. And he's regressed along with his pass protection. Bring Mike
3: McLarkey back. I yeah, think I'll solve everything.
5: No matter who you put at quarterback for the Titans, it's going to look like Marcus Mariota. We that, should give
3: uh, we should give Vic Fangio um, some credit here. Gosh, his no. uh, defense gets a shout out. Had a nice. You know, game in Los Angeles last week. Well, I'm just gonna put this out there. They play on Thursday night. They play the Kansas City Chiefs, who've lost two in a row. Probably the Broncos. You know, they're an underdog in that game. But should they win that game, they are one game back in the AFC West. They
5: could be three and four. They could and, be tied for first now. Oh come on, are we gonna they, talk they ourselves
2: into the? Broncos no, I'm not.
3: I'm just saying they have no, a meaningful right, they they game coming up on Thursday, and they're. A little worried Emmanuel Sanders hurt. Their offense doesn't look very good. But they have something to play for Thursday night and then try to figure things out.
5: Well, let's give them credit for defense. They've made two huge changes that have paid off in the last two weeks. They moved Alexander Johnson into uh, the starting lineup at inside linebacker. He's given them a lot more athletic ability, more speed, uh, more playmaking ability. That has worked great. He got the game ball last week, had nine tackles today and another sack and a half and then they moved Mike Purcell into the starting lineup at nose tackle. Shelby Harris moved outside to defensive end where he made so many plays last year before they moved him to nose tackle, and now he's making plays again. Demarcus Walker, one of the reserves, has had two sacks today. This is a different defense than they were earlier in the year. I
4: mean, you, that Jacksonville Jaguars game that they lost in inglorious fashion and it had a lot to do with the whole sort of the full team breakdown, they were dominant in the first half of that game defensively. So you could go back... Couple weeks. Here. Bad, bad offenses. Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Chargers game, they, they played well. I do want everyone, though, out there, if, if you're just a Game Pass head and you're going to crank through the well, game. Let's this workshop week, that one. Um, <laughs> when you're watching this game, game just think this play. is the West Bowl. This is football <laughs> as approved <laughs> by was. West. Titans, Broncos, Furkser, Deshaun Hamilton. Furxer. It's that's all happening. It. Well, that's correct. It's, this is the type of
5: brand Polico of football West is into. Let's well, correct this narrative. The only reason I had this game was because. The other three, you guys <laughs> messed up the draft order. Hideous draft. It wasn't because I wanted it.
2: We didn't mess up the draft order. We sure did. How are it that though? I
5: draft last and I have more games than Mark? <laughs> Titans That's
4: and Broncos. You're, Steak, on this, you're on this. I wound up with two games, yourself. and I watched West the entire, uh, you know, from wire to wire. Of this game simply endure Broncos Titans. It seemed it's, to go on it's forever. It's bad football. I mean, good good Broncos defense, but I
5: mean, I don't know. The Titans offense is broken. So who who know who knows. All
2: right, let's keep on
5: rolling.
0: Third down and five of the Cardinal 30. Murray takes play action. He's rolling right, and he's looking to run. He's on the near side, and he's close to the first down as he stepped out. They spot it right at the 35-yard line. It looks like enough to move the chains and win the game with a minute 38 to go.
2: Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Dave Pass. Cardinals Radio Network with the call, <laughs> Kyler Murray. Dan has had a stroke. You're all grown up. Show and you're all grown up. And you're all grown up. And you're all grown up. Maybe the number one pick ended his finest day as a pro with a third down run that picked up a first down and clinched a 34 to 33 win for the Cardinals over the Falcons. The game would have been tied at that moment had Matt Bryant not missed an extra point on Atlanta's previous possession. Greg. Uh This was a great QB duel between a former MVP and a rookie with potential to win an MVP
3: himself one day. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> About what? as entertaining Why? a game can be with two fun quarterback performances that doesn't really mean much at all. And the Cardinals and the Falcons are... Kind of prone to playing these sort of games right now because the Falcons, as I said last week, they will give your offense rhythm. If you're out of rhythm, just show up against Dan Quinn's team and start the game off with a 57 yard drive field goal, 93 yard drive touchdown, 79 yard drive touchdown, 71 yard drive field goal, 59 yard drive touchdown. These are the Arizona Cardinals we're talking about. It's not exactly the 99 Rams, uh, but I give Cliff Kingsbury and Murray credit. The receiver group is so thin. I mean, it's Demir Bird and Sherfield, you know, behind Larry Fitzgerald. You're just working off Murray and play calls and David Johnson, and you're making it work against a veteran team in Atlanta that's been together for a long time and is just completely imploding on defense.
4: My one takeaway watching this was that every time I looked up, Kyler Murray was finding, in one case it was David Johnson, in another it was Max Williams, guys who were wide open – with no one within no 20 one or 30 close. yards of them. And one of them led to a 30-yard gain, another 20, and they led to scoring drives. And the Falcons' defense feels like one of the first this season that has essentially just stopped listening to coaching with whatever's happening. They just feel broken. They look like they've given up. They look, They were completely schooled today. And that this was Dan Quinn's calling card. And, and for a while it worked. And I remember talking about how the Falcons – would be a team that would draft these guys and develop them so quickly. And there was a vision and an identity and it's all been whisked away.
2: Dan Quinn probably won't survive this unless there's some type of great turnaround. And undoubtedly he'll get a defensive coordinator job next year. Maybe even gets another head coaching job right at the gate. I don't think we've seen the last of Dan Quinn um, as a relevant head coach who has success, but you do get the feeling that this is one of those situations where Things have kind of run their course uh, for Quinn in Atlanta, and we'll see. We're going to be very wrong about that, but things just do not seem to be going in the right direction, and it doesn't seem unlikely to change.
5: This 2019 football season is percentage points worse because the Falcons are wasting Matt Ryan. He is playing at such a high level, and if anyone, listeners out there, if any of your friends tell you Matt Ryan isn't playing well, he's no good, it's the biggest giveaway yet. This person has no idea what they're talking about. They're not watching <laughs> games. They are
3: ignorant. Feel free to tell them all that. Yeah, we should We, we should point it out. bad people. Ryan had, yeah, these people. Get new friends. Uh, Watch football games. Six inter, uh, incompletions today. He, he dropped back and School threw the player. ball 36 times. Six incompletions, four School touchdowns, player. 356 yards, and led them again on what proved to be a fruitless but furious second half. Come back. So pretty they've good. at least made their games a little fun to watch.
4: Ultra depressing. This team come one on. and five. That's a pretty
2: good turn of phrase. Greg at uh, 215 in the morning. Hey, parent fruitless and furious in a big spot.
3: Talk is cheap. Let's go play.
2: Uh, all right. There's one more game to talk about tonight. We won't be doing it. It's going to be the electric dynamic. Wes is even a little nervous about it Chippy. because the chemistry is so off the hook. It is Lakeisha Jackson Wesling And yes, you know him as Kyle, the boy wonder from Kicking and Screaming, (laughs) the somewhat well-received 2005 (laughs) comedy starring Will Ferrell as a soccer coach. And also he's trying to get his wife back because he just wants to be with his kids. I never saw the movie. Don't know anything about it. a lot going on
4: in that film. A lot of us, you know, dense, uh, rich subplots. Anyway,
2: you got Wessling, a different Wessling. You got Bergman. They're talking Sunday night football, so let's throw it to them.
0: Rivers under center with a one-back look. Two tights to the left. Throw the slow, Oh, that, that's a lateral that's a pass. And it's dropped. And, lateral. and the Steelers lateral. pick
2: it up. And they got it to the 10-5. And it's Devin touchdown into the touchdown. end zone for a defensive
0: touchdown. That was, the was on the a lateral. was a backwards pass. Recovered by the defense. The pocket slaps again. It was a touchdown. And as, as Philip Rivers was trying to flare-pass it out to Ingram, He went way over his head, and Bush picked it up and ran in for a touchdown. That was a great play.
7: That is Bill Hillgrove and Tunch Ilkin from Steelers Radio Network with the call. That was Steelers rookie linebacker Devin Bush on a nine-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown to put the first points on the board for the Steelers in their 24-17 win over the Chargers in L.A., I'm Lakeisha Westling, a.k.a. The Paramore. I have Jeremy Bergman to my left and Steve Manny behind the glass.
6: What's happening? Thank you for having me tonight. What up, what up? Welcome.
7: We're basically filling in for the heroes right now. They had, what, like a 16-hour day?
4: It Can was you- a long day. Uh, they were whining a little bit about it. Uh, Erica Tamposi yes, going strong Hollywood. past 4 a.m.
6: Oh, yeah. 4.30 a.m. Still and going that was strong.
7: The, and that was when the football game was still going on. So if they would have did this. Who Correct. She watched the whole thing.
6: Know. The other guys I don't know about. Lakeisha was in London this morning, right? And you just got off a, a plane and came yesterday, right to the office.
7: Yesterday. Got back here Yesterday evening, and just kind of slept all night, and just back at it again. That's how much Looking he, a little rough, though. That's how much Still she cares lagged. about work,
6: folks. That's <laughs> she cares about work that much.
7: All right, well, let's just get right into the Steelers. It was Devin Bush. You had a good, huge game, Jeremy.
6: First quarter, Devin Bush was on the receiving end of two turnovers from Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers had a rough game, but it really went downhill right from the start when Rivers. You heard it on the uh, on the replay. Threw that backward lateral toward Melvin Gordon in the flat, and it went five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Bush Bush picked it up uh, and ran it back in, and then Rivers uh, on the next possession throws a pick that was tipped at the, at the line of scrimmage, and Bush is on the receiving end of that. The Steelers go down and score right after. It's fourteen nothing in the first quarter. Uh, you know there are few Chargers fans in sight. the The stadium's going wild with terrible towels, and uh, you can just see it. You know snowballing from there. The Chargers went down eventually 24 uh, nothing, and then, you know, they couldn't come back from that.
7: Yeah, it looks like Devin Bush was everywhere. Everywhere a play was happening. Everywhere
6: until he got hurt uh, in the third quarter or or in the first half, and uh, they had to take him out a bit. But he came back. He's a Defensive Rookie of the Year candidate. He's had a really strong start to the year. He's not the only player that's playing really well on Pittsburgh's defense right now, which has had to pick up the offense as they've gone through the injuries. TJ Watts played really well. Cam Hayward, the same. Uh, But Devin Bush making a name for himself uh, on national television. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the reason why the Steelers got their second win of the the year this uh tonight
7: oh yeah another Steelers player who had a big game was James Connor running back they basically gave him the ball majority of the game and just kind of held the offense on his back
6: yeah this was something we'd seen in week four when the Steelers uh came back to Pittsburgh 0-3 Mason Rudolph making his first start they said we're taking the ball out of Rudolph's hands we're putting it in Connor and Sa- Jalen Samuel's hands same, same thing happened this week with Devlin Hodges, a undrafted rookie free agent out of Samford, making his first start because Rudolph is still in concussion protocol or something like that. It was James Connor from the get-go on the Steelers' uh, first scoring drive. Connor touched the ball on all seven of the Steelers' plays, and then he caught the 12-yard uh, catch and run uh, to end that drive. He became the first Steeler since 93 to log a receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown, and at least 90-plus yards from scrimmage in the first half. And that was uh, indicative of just how the Steelers wanted to go about this game. Take it out of Hodge's hand. Tell t- tell the rookie, do what you got to do. Don't throw the ball too far. He th- only threw the ball past uh, 10 yards past the line of scrimmage four times. And one of those passes was intercepted. None were completed. Um, so it was the running backs game tonight until he got hurt. And then it was Benny Snell's game. Uh, but the Steelers came out with the win regardless.
7: So how did you think Devlin did for like his first NFL start?
6: You know, Hodges did what he had to do. Uh, the Steelers told him, like I said, di- you know, don't throw the ball too far. It, it didn't work when he did try to test uh, test the ball downfield. Juju was not a factor. Uh, Moncrief was not a factor. Neither was Deontay Johnson. It, the, the game really went through James Conner uh, between the line of scrimmage and 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. So I think he made smart decisions. Uh, only one interception, a uh, few mistakes, and, uh, you know, the duck caller – you took the words out of my mouth.
7: I was the like, duck we caller, have to talk about that. He had a
6: quack of a game. What about it?
7: Yeah, he won, what is a duck calling champion? So yeah, I, I think Alabama state
6: champion. They played a clip uh, on the broadcast of him making the duck call. Uh, I, I thought he should have tried it at the line of scrimmage. Maybe that okay. would have, you know, thrown the charges off, but he didn't need it.
7: So that's how he got the nickname Duck Dynasty, if you... If you want to know all that. I will
6: say on a day that Gardner Minshew maybe came down to earth a bit, Minshew mania at home kind of taking a dip into the Jacksonville waters. I think that Hodges is taking uh, leaping Minshew in the power rankings for like Southern swag of like a quarterback that you didn't really hear of before the season. I think Hodges is now one Minshew uh, one A and Devlin
7: has that real Southern,
6: real Southern <laughs> surprising <laughs> <When I> got... <laughs> in the post-game interview with Tafoya real, real shock has a
7: Southern accent. And now on the Chargers side, Philip Rivers, yeah, did not look like a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, I kept saying, like, what the heck is going on?
6: I, I don't know. I think this is the two weeks with Philip Rivers kind of throwing the game away in the first quarter. The charges went down 14 nothing because of Phillip Rivers's uh poor decisions. Listen, it's not all his fault. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame probably. But, you know, the offensive line, you're missing Pouncy. He's on IR. You have to move Dan Feeney to center. Sam Tevy is still at right tackle. Russell Okung hasn't played at left tackle all year. The offensive line is a mess. Anthony Lynn said it after the game. He said that even with the running game and the passing game, it's mostly the blocking up front that is not giving Rivers, Gordon, Eckler, these guys uh, time to make plays. Uh, And, you know, Rivers came back in the second half, and the Chargers scored 17 points to close out the game in the fourth quarter with him hitting uh, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. But it wasn't enough. And, you know, Rivers did look a little shook. Uh, They asked uh, Anthony Lynn after the game, did you ever think about going to Tyrod Taylor and Lynn shut it down? I mean, Rivers is not c- the entire problem here, yeah. but there's something wrong with this offense, and it starts with the decision-making at quarterback yeah. right now.
7: And I have to say this because D- Tony Dudgy D- D- said this during the broadcast at halftime. Like, it's inexcusable for the Chargers to play like that. Like, that's how bad the first half was.
6: It's inexcusable to go down to Devlin Hodges. No offense to Devlin Hodges, but, you, you know, this offense is – they're broadcasting what they want to do. You know, they they want to throw the ball short. They want to run the ball. And uh, even on the defensive side of the ball, like, you can't let them in it. You know, Pittsburgh couldn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the Chargers, all they needed to do was not make mistakes. And the Chargers committed, you know, these three turnovers, two of which came in the first four minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's how you let bad teams win in your home, even though your home is being invaded by a bunch of uh, Pittsburghians. Yeah. I don't know what you call them. <laughs>
7: it definitely was a Steelers home game there. And then, like, the, the Chargers didn't even get any points until the fourth quarter. That's right. And what was it? Hunter Henry He scored, like, two touchdowns, too little, too late.
6: Yeah, Hunter Henry uh, was inactive for most of the year and then uh, came back today. It was That's a, the, the one of the main positives that came out of this one for the Chargers. Um, eight catches, 100 yards, uh, two late scores, unstoppable in the red zone. Um, Phillip Rivers was really strong between 10 and 20 yards past the line of scrimmage, and Hunter Henry was on the uh, the receiving end of a lot of those plays, but it was too little, too late. Um, you know, I, I, it's good to have Henry going forward, in addition to Mike Williams, who looked a little banged up as well, and Keenan Allen. Um, but, you know, you also saw the return uh, of Melvin Gordon for the second straight game, where he's had a really rough go of it coming off that holdout. 10 touches, 45 total yards again. Anthony Lynn said after the game that the offensive line wasn't opening up lanes for him. But, you know, the Chargers were really strong with Austin Eckler as the starter, catching passes out of the backfield, running the ball uh, in the early goings of the season. You bring Gordon back into the equation, and suddenly the offensive bro- the offense is broken. You know, part of that is again the offensive line. Yeah. Part of it is not the trade deadline is October 29th. Make of that what you will.
7: See what happens. So final score for them: Steelers twenty four seventeen. Steelers tied for both of them are. Or- third place in the AFC North and the AFC West.
6: That's right. The Chargers are two and four with the Broncos who got their second win. But, you know, we we thought that the AFC West was a division where it's the Chargers and the Chiefs going uh, game for game. And with the Chiefs, you know, losing two straight, this is a real missed opportunity for the Chargers to actually make a run at it. Uh, In the AFC North, suddenly, because the Browns, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield can't throw to people in uh, his uniform. uh, Browns are two and four. The Steelers are also two and four and, uh, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting race in the wild card where it, it's not there's not a lot of deep teams in the AFC. Uh, so maybe the Steelers can make a run of it. They have a bye so Mason Rudolph can get healthy. Uh, and then right after that, they get three straight home games, the first of which is the Dolphins. And so uh, you might be looking at three and four going into week nine.
7: Right, well, we shall see. That is it for us in Culver City. Have to do a shameless plug. If you haven't yet, please check out my YouTube video series called NFL on Court. And if you like it, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Pop them bottles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's send it back to the heroes who are finishing up an amazing week in London. Dan.
2: All right, thank you to Keish and Burgo, who, again, for any streaming service, uh, if there's a blockbuster around you,
3: Kicking and Screaming Great work is Kyle.
2: The lesser of the the two, by the
4: way. Look for the one that looks more engaging. It's the other one. And if you're into
3: more, you know, current uh, forms of entertainment, NFL Uncorked on YouTube. Nice. Hosted by Lakeisha.
4: But now hosted by Lakeisha and Bergman because that last (laughs) thing went so well. All
2: right. So it's time to get out of here. It's time to not only get out of this episode and this commissioner's uh, suite here at the Big Tot, um, Tottenham Stadium here. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium here in London. Thank you. They've been very nice to us, Uh, everyone, the staff. But we want to thank all the people that helped get us to London for a second straight straight, uh, year. Nick Pike at the NFL UK office. Great chap, Charlie Copsey uh, over at the Underground Fan Club who uh, handled our Curtain Club show, which we didn't even get a chance to talk about today. Maybe we'll do that on Wednesday, our next show. Uh, The Sky People, Neil Reynolds, Hannah Wilkes, Alex Mason, Patrick Crowley, all... Great people. Uh, also, the NFL UK team: Charlotte Offer, Jamie King, Hannah Cook, Simon Gunby. Uh, he he handled the the camera shooting. He's great a nice job, guy. man. He's that's nice not guy. easy to do for twelve. Uh, Barbara, uh, I. Hearn, uh, and then Alistair Kirkwood. I think that's Barry I. Hearn. Sorry, Barry A. Ahern. <laughs> we love
4: Alistair
6: you, Barry. Alistair
2: Kirkwood, Shannon Jones, and of course Henry Hodgson, and of course the great Mark Brady, who's staring at me right now who did great work with us all week and uh, organized this whole venture, uh, and we are eternally grateful uh, to Mark as well. So we get on a plane and head back to the States, and and of course, I mean, I'd be remiss uh, not to say thank you to Erica Tamposi, who in addition to being our producer uh, and friend, um, did a lot of heavy lifting of uh, heavy cases. that Literally. Really built up her forearms and buys and tries, which maybe she should say, you know, thank you to us for that because your bod is probably improved as a result of this. You're trip.
3: welcome. She's actually uh, she had a workout out with the Patriots. She might take their fullback position uh, coming up in week seven.
2: All right, so I'm opening the bottle right now. Uh, I was not kidding. How much was this? We don't know. Well,
4: I think it's roughly $896. Mark that's Brady's okay. got it in no, his budget. Let's not break anything <laughs> here. Um, okay.
2: So we'll be back uh, on Wednesday, as we said. Usually we do a Tuesday show, but we got to get on a plane. We are going to be jet lagged. Uh, Ricky's going on another vacation, which seems weird, but we'll give her a pass because she was so great (laughs) during this trip. Uh, Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to all the U.K. people here. Don't worry about it, Greg. All the U.K. folk.
4: Dan, hey Dan uncorking the bottle nearly hit the oh. fire alarm uh, device at the uh, top. For all
2: uh, the great work and all the fans here, who were all so nice, except for the one guy that spit all over us. But you were drunk, so we we let you up, though. Too. You know who you
5: are. I've <laughs> all been right. spit on before by the, many men.
2: This is da- ah, this is Dan <laughs> Hansa signing off for the Quiet Storm <laughs> man, The old boss Ricky Hollywood and Mark Brady from the Commissioner's Suite. Thank you, Rog, for the prosecco till Wednesday.
0: Com.